Good morning. How's everyone doing? Some people over here are doing okay. How are people doing over here? Yeah, yeah, there we go. There we go. Um, we've been doing a lot of sitting and standing, so I thought it'd be nice uh, to honor God's word to stand one more time. Would you just, if you feel comfortable, we're gonna stand one more time. I'm not joking about that. I know that sounded like I was being sarcastic. But I do wanna stand for God's word because there is power in his word. Do we believe that? Amen. We're gonna be reading from Matthew today. We're gonna start in Matthew chapter three, verses 16 through 17. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him I am well pleased. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word that it is true that the word you spoke over Jesus is the same word you're speaking over us. We receive it and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a seat. I won't make you stand up again for at least another 40 to 80 minutes. <laughs> a lot of my life, I have really attempted to be a leader. And um, I assumed at an early age, it had to be my identity. I had to become the leader. Like that was, Luke was leader. And in a few ways, I, I do have leadership titles and roles here at One Chapel. As Pastor Zach said, I'm the, uh, the youth pastor. I'm also our Team One director, which is all of our volunteer efforts on Sunday and throughout the week. I'm also the CFO. This is a new title. Um, it's the chief fun operator. I don't get paid for that, but um, I get to make it up. You know, but I've always looked up to leaders. I think leaders you know, as we look at our church and in the world, there are people we look up to who kind of push things forward that inspire us. They've inspired me throughout the years. And so this is why uh, inevitably throughout my life, I've been attempting to pursue some kind of leadership role. One of the earlier times in my life, I was um, playing collegiate lacrosse and I was uh, this young little man um, who thought he was everything. And so I, I ventured into this first season, not really knowing anybody, but thinking, hey, we're about to vote for captains. I think I can make this happen. I mean, I've got the vision, I'm talented, I'm strong. I can kind of push through anything that's hard and I can face adversity really well. That would be a great captain. And so I remember early on in the season, we were having a really rough practice. We haven't voted yet. And so I knew there was still potential. There was still opportunity. And we were having a terrible practice. I mean, the, the defense was doing awful. The offense was doing awful. And it was um, pretty abysmal. It was awful. Yeah, if you didn't notice. <laughs> I was on the offense and my coach stopped everything. And he said, look, if you guys mess up one more time, Whoever's team, whoever's side is messes up, they're going to the line, you guys are running sprints. And I didn't really want to run any sprints, and so I was like, guys, we gotta, we gotta do better. Everybody's gotta do a little bit better. And of course, the defense messed up. He calls them to the line. I'm sitting there with the rest of the offense, and I'm looking at them, and I'm thinking, this is my chance. This is my chance to prove myself as a captain. I look at all them, and I yell at them, we suck, we need to go to the line, let's go. You can imagine who was voted captain that year. It was not me. But my point is, 
This is like a snapshot of my reality. What's going on very often in my life is Luke's identity is wrapped up in whatever leadership role is in the room. Luke's identity is struggled in this place of who am I if I can't lead? Who am I if I don't run a ministry or start a business? Or who am I if I'm not a good husband or a father or just a brother? Who am I if I'm not all these things? We've been in this series, if you've been following along, called The Surrender Solution. And it's kind of um, Pastor Ross is our lead pastor. His, his um, just praying and, and discernment from the Holy Spirit on what it takes to really be a true disciple of God. And we talked last week about vulnerability, the aspect of kind of opening ourselves up to potential either in fear or in opportunity and in faith. And so this week, I wanted to really lean into identity. Can you do that with me today? You know, I think so many of us, myself included, we've had this inaccurate and kind of inadequate view of identity growing up where, you know, we've been handed all these scripts in our lives where people from an early age told us we couldn't be something or we should be something. Maybe it was a parent or a teacher, a brother or sister, a boss even. Some scenario happened in all your life, all my life I've been living a certain way because someone told me I had to live this way. If we're really honest with ourselves, These scripts start to determine our stories and the way we live our lives, don't they? Some of us have have at least some awareness of like, yeah, I I know, Luke, I've been living this story and I I just don't know how to break it. And some of you are just like, I'm living. So today I wanna really look at the picture about how God's great love can begin to reshape our identity. Because I actually believe that becoming a disciple means that we're willing to shed our own view of who we are, kind of our false self, and take on God's view of who we are. I know that's a difficult thing for many of us, but I do believe that when we give up the way that we've identified ourselves or the way that we've let the world identify us as maybe it's a businessman or woman, a musician, father, mother, brother, Maybe the identification is something that says, I'm weak, I'm fearful, I'm stupid, I'm not worthy. Whatever you've been labeled throughout your life, if we can potentially just begin to shed that and begin to truly believe that we are who God says we are, I think something can change. The scripture we read in Matthew 3, 16 through 17 was the very beginning, kind of the marker experience of Jesus's true ministry. In verse 16, it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water and at that very moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him I am well pleased. Now, maybe you've heard this verse a lot in your life. I just, but I want us to, to look at this, this the, kind of the storyline of events after this with new fresh eyes this morning. Would you be willing to do that? Yeah. So let's break this down. There are three parts just in this verse. 
of what the Father says to Jesus that I want you to know. Number one, the Father's identifying Jesus as his own son. He says, this is my son. There's an identification. Did you guys know that we don't get identity out of a self-generated thing? Think about it. Your identity has really been marked by the world or what other people have said about you, or if you've been lucky, what the Father has said about you. And here the father is calling Jesus his own son. Number two, he validates him. He, just doesn't, he doesn't just call him his son. He says, no, 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 this is my beloved son. This is my son and I love him. He's speaking that over you and I. This is my son. This is my daughter whom I so dearly love. And finally, he affirms him. He identifies him as his son. He validates him. This is who I love. And then he says, with him, I am well pleased. And I want you to note something. This is kind of um, radical because Jesus didn't start his ministry. Nothing happened. In fact, not much was recorded before this time, was there? Our heavenly father said this to Jesus right before he does any recorded public ministry. And if you're a doer like me, that wrecks me. Because Jesus didn't have to do anything. He didn't have to be anything. God loved him. He validates him. He affirms him and who his true identity is. And because Jesus already understood that, Jesus already got it from the Father. Hey, this is who you are. He got to operate out of that place from God to do all of his ministry, to perform miraculous healings change water into wine. He got to do it all because of who the father called him to be. God changes our identity. He validates us. He loves and affirms us. And because of that, he's pleased with us, not because of anything we do. You might be wondering like me, how can that be? Luke, how can that be? Do you know what I did last week? Do you know who I was for a decade of my life? Do you know what I did last night, Luke? How can that possibly be? This is all nice, good Christianese stuff. But that's not me, Luke. I'm sorry. I want you to hear this from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved. If you're in this room, it is not by your own volition. The grace of the Father has saved you through your faith. Continue on, and this is not from yourself. It is a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Some of you need to live on this verse a little bit more. It's true. I need to live on this verse a little bit more. I don't do anything without God. In fact, he already prepared in advance for me to do what I was going to do anyway. And so it's got to be from him anyway. It can't be out of your own works. The wonder of being in Christ is that we get a new identity and it's not based on anything that we've done because you are a daughter. You are a son who he already deeply loves. You're in him and he is in you. This, in fact, is the gospel. And I was convicted during this whole message because if we begin to disassociate from this truth, we're actually beginning to reject the gospel. 
want you to hear that. That's a little bit harsh. When we start to say, well, I'm, I can't be a son or daughter. I, I'm unworthy. I'm not good. I can't go do that thing. I can't be that person. We're actually denying the gospel. I want you to hear that. that that's harsh. That means the, the words I speak to myself and to others matter. <laughs> that means I got to stop calling myself an idiot. Every time I mess up, and I know it's, you know, we're sarcastic in our words, that we just kind of throw them out like they mean nothing, but they, they have the power of life and death. If there's nothing you get from today, get that. Speak life over yourself. Speak life, because we continue to speak death over ourselves, and we deny the gospel, because I really believe that as disciples, we, we aren't just doing things for God. We're doing things from him. It's a new reality. It's a new way. When Jesus came, he, he really fulfilled the law. You don't have to go just do things for God anymore. We get to do it from the power of the Holy Spirit that's in you and I. Same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You have that in you. So I want to look at the scriptures following Jesus getting baptized by John because what's powerful in this is that he gets baptized. He gets affirmed in his identity from the Father. And then all of a sudden, he gets taken off by the Spirit into the wilderness. And we find that he's tempted three times by the devil, isn't he? Let's check out what happens in here. And again, new eyes to see this scripture. In Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11, we're going to kind of break this up into three different sections. Verse one in Matthew four, it says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Notice how Jesus is hungry after 40 days of fasting, you should see me before lunch. But he's hungry after 40 days of fasting. He's probably at his physical weakest, you can imagine. And like Jesus, you and I will be tempted to question our identities in our weakest moments. And first, this first temptation, the devil says, and I love, I love this line, he goes, if you are the son of God, what did we just hear about Jesus? Who is he? The son of God. The enemy comes in and goes, if you are the son of God. And he's talking, he's aiming right at who Jesus is. Why? Because if he just aimed at something that was just happening around Jesus, nothing would really affect him, would it? But this is the way the enemy works. He tries to come in and he tries to attack our identities. If you're not doing anything from God or for God, the enemy doesn't really care. He's not going to attack anything. And what's crazy is Jesus really could have turned the stone into bread, couldn't he? We've seen stuff like this before from Jesus. It could happen. He's God. He could do it. But why doesn't he do it? Because the devil is coming in and he's, he's, he's basically tempting him to prove himself. Prove that you can do this, Jesus. If you're the son of God, prove to me, the devil, that you can turn this stone into bread. 
And, and this is kind of a proving of identity in the wrong way. Well, let me show you that I can do it. Let me show you how, you good I, let me show you how good I am, right? If he did it, he would have served himself only instead of trusting the leading of the spirit. If he did it, he would have only simply fed his own hunger instead of relying on the father's word. And so what does Jesus do? Well, he quotes scripture. He embraces his own identity by turning back to the father's word, knowing that he would receive greater provision when he relied on God than simply relying on the fact that he was hungry and he needed to eat. We've seen this before in our series where love and trust come together. This beautiful marriage of love and trust equals obedience. He opted for obedience and trust and reliance on God instead of reliance on his own way or the devil's temptations. And I think very often we face these temptations, don't we? We're tempted to provide for ourselves. If you ever struggled with finances or your family, you've been tempted to provide for yourself. And it's not an easy feeling. I'm, I'm not here to say that this is just some easy thing. It's tough. I gotta go make it happen. We're tempted to trust ourselves. We're tempted to use our own power to go make something happen. Instead of relying on God's power and believing that we can trust what he says about our lives. We opt for shortcuts instead of waiting on God. We disobey instead of standing firm in our identity. I feel like we could spend an hour just there, but we've got two more temptations to run through. Let's look at the second temptation. And it's just more of the same stuff, isn't it? In verse five of Matthew four, then the devil took him to the holy city. He had him stand on the highest point of the temple and again asked, if you were the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. The enemy thought he got smart here for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But God, Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put your Lord God to the test. Like Jesus, you and I, we're gonna be tempted to act out of a false self of being. Let me show you what's happening here. So you see Jesus, he was tempted to kind of put on a miraculous display of protection to test God's love for him. And this is actually more than a temptation for protection or or to, to create protection. I think it's a temptation for Jesus to act out of a way that really isn't who he is, a way that's not his true identity or his security found in the love of God. You see, the devil's temptation here is that Jesus take early control of his own ministry out of this performance of some dramatic and public display, some public amazing miracle that would not actually um, prove much about God, but it would prove a lot about Jesus. It would be like, hey, look at me. Look at me and what I just did. It would instantly just draw people to him. And this was not the way that Jesus knew how he had to perform his ministry, did he? Jesus refuses this call to act out of a false self and he st- instead chooses the kingdom way. And in the same way, I think 
far too often you and I were tempted to act out of a false self. Why? Well, we want to impress others. We want to build up our own thing. Well, no, I'm just doing, I'm just building my ministry. I'm just building my, my, my business. I'm just doing the right things to, to make all the right things happen for, for my life, for me. Might not, it might not be the devil's temptations, but we lie to ourselves all the time. I do it all the time. No, 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 I'm just doing this one thing to build up so I can, I'm gonna go do some kingdom stuff with it later, but I'm gonna just build this up. Why? For who? We really need a heart check on that thing. I'm not saying creating things is bad. I'm not saying God didn't call you to go start something, but I am saying Check yourself. Check our, we need to check ourselves. What place are we doing it out of? Like Jesus, we need to choose and accept our identity of who God says we are and rest in the love that he has for us. Did you know you can make things and build stuff in peace and patience and kindness? It's not the way of the world, right? We want to go get ours and screw people over and make stuff happen. But Jesus is giving us a new way. Let's look at this third and final temptation. It says again in verse eight, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. The devil says, all of this I will give to you. And if you bow down and worship me, I'm gonna give you all this if you only bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. You know, like Jesus, you and I are gonna be tempted to take the shortcut in life. You see, I believe Jesus already knew he was destined to be Lord over all the nations. I think he got that. And I think the devil was, saw that too and said, you know what, if you worship me, you can do this quicker. You can have it right now. You think you, you, th you think you guys are alone in that temptation? This was Jesus' biggest temptation. You know that life God's destined for you, that dream, that prophecy you were told when you were 15 years old? You can have it right now. But Jesus, you see, the way he operated in this, he didn't take the temptation to avoid the cross. He didn't take the temptation to opt for the way of convenience. And this is our kind of wrestle too. Are you, gonna, are you gonna avoid the cross to take convenience today? Because the cross means I have to surrender. The cross means I have to give up something. The, the cross means like last week, I've gotta be vulnerable. And am I willing to really do all that stuff when I could just go get mine right now? That's a hard thing we, we have to wrestle with here. And yet Jesus also was tempted in this way to kind of bypass the role of this servanthood that we're talking about. And he, he was offered to take the role, this sovereign role over all the kingdoms far before his time. You know, this temptation does apply to us. And I kind of imagine during this time, if, if what, it, what would happen if you and I were offered everything we've ever dreamed of right here, right now? I had a pastor early on when I was telling him about all my dreams and all the leadership things I want to do and just all the things I wanted to create and build. He, he told me the story 
um, more of a, an antidote, but he, he basically questioned me. He said, look, your dreams are like the ocean. They're vast, they're many, they're beautiful. They're kind of wild, sometimes they're stormy. And if you tried to drink the ocean right now, you'd drown. I don't know if you know that, but you guys, if you drink too much water, it's actually not good for you. And I like water. And he reminded me that we need to take it a sip at a time. And that's what Jesus is saying. No, 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 I don't need everything right now because I'm a son of the most high king. I'm beloved. I don't need all that stuff right now. In fact, if I don't have it, I'll be okay. I don't want you to miss this here. There are immediate miracles. I've been a part of rooms where people are healed like this. I've been a part of rooms where forgiveness happens in an instant. But there are no shortcuts on spiritual formation. There's no shortcuts on character development or in walking out our identity. We can't just, we can't just take a shortcut in becoming who God has created us to be. We have to go the way of the kingdom. And how do we do this? How do we do this? When I ask that question, I think about who's ever discipled someone? Some of you, who's ever mentored someone? Can you imagine, like think about that person. Did they do things fast enough? Like, dude, just figure this out. This is like the sixth time you've been here. Come on. You're doing it again. I can say that because Zach has had to do that with me. <laughs> You're doing it again. How do we get here? Jesus has this grace for us. He shows us how to respond in these times of temptations. He quotes this scripture, this scripture in Deuteronomy 6, 13. It says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. There's something in this in Deuteronomy 6, 13. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You see, worship is the most important way that our identities are reformed. Do you believe that? Worship is actually the way um, we begin to reform our identity. We begin to reform the old story, the old script, the one that, yeah, continues to, even now as we're speaking, continues to say, well, Luke, I'm not worthy for that. I'm not enough for that. I'm stupid. I, I can't do that thing. Worship is a declaration of who God is. And it's actually a confession of who we are. I love that we talked about vulnerability last week because that's what worship is. It's, it is pretty vulnerable. It's, it's vulnerable to stand here like this. It's vulnerable to be in the middle of a conversation and worship the Lord your God by saying, I don't actually know. I'm lost. I'm afraid. I feel broken. I don't feel like, like I can actually do this. 
Worship is an exaltation of who God is. And, and it, it, it's a, just an honoring of putting God in his rightful place and humbling ourselves. Isn't it wild to think that, well, Luke, how do we change our identity? Well, the first step is humility in our act of worship. It's saying that I'm actually not in control and I don't have to be. I don't have to own this thing and I will never need to. It's resting in the true love of the Father. And I think worship can be one of our most identity-shaping practices and activities we can engage in as Christians. You see, Jesus is actually essentially talking right to the tempter and he's saying, hey, guess what? My identity, my purpose, my perspective for life is found in the worship of the Lord my God. I choose to serve him and obey him. Friends, in the face of temptation of your identity, you get to say, no, thank you. <laughs> my wife and I do this thing. We go, no, thank you. When someone tries to speak bad over us. I don't accept that. I don't receive that. You know what I do receive? My identity in the Father. I obey him and I serve him only. And I don't serve your words spoken over me. I don't, I don't receive that, that declaration that you thought you could just rule over me with, that's not the way I live. I'm a son of the most high king. Jesus had the strength. He had the wisdom. He had the confidence to face these difficulties precisely because he was secure in the identity of who he was. You know, knowing who we are gives us the strength to stand. I think some of us need that today. Knowing who we are gives us the strength to stand. Stand against the temptation of the enemy schemes. Stand against the world who wants to view you a different way. Stand against all those old stories and scripts that told you you shouldn't be X, Y, or Z. Or when you do that thing, actually you're stupid. We stand against that because of the Father and who he calls us to be. The truth is, Unfortunately, I can't stand here and tell you today that your identity will never be questioned ever again. In fact, scripture says it is, it will be, it's coming. And so my hope and heart today is that we can do something here in this room together that will then equip us and prepare us and give us one more tool to continue out to walk his favor in our lives. God wants so much for you. He wants fullness. He wants true love. He wants purpose. He wants the passion that you've kind of been settling because someone told you to settle it to arise once again. He wants you back in his arms. Do you know that when the father created everything to walk with Adam and Eve, he just wanted relationship with someone else. He wanted to give love to someone else so that they could give love as well. That's the whole storyline of the Bible is for us to come back into relationship with God the way he saw it. There was a few weekends ago that I was part of putting on this men's weekend. And if you've ever been to any kind of weekend where you just get to worship God for like three days straight, it does something in you, doesn't it? But you don't have to go to a weekend 
just to receive the love of God every day. But I was at this weekend and crazy enough, I led a lot of it. I organized a lot of it. I put a lot of it on with the help of an amazing team. And there was one night in worship, I'm sitting there and I'm just like, Lord, I could be doing more. Why am I not speaking? Why am I not leading? Why I'm supposed to be doing all these things. Why am I not doing more? Who am I if I, if I can't go and lead? Who am I if I can't speak the word God has given me? Who am I if, if I can't be center stage? Just being honest with you. Who am I if I can't do all these things? And maybe you've thought about that question. Who am I if I can't be this? Who am I if I don't do that? Who, who am I? And it's what I want to ask you today. Who do you think you are? Because what you think about gets into your heart and that's gonna end up yielding whatever fruit and harvest you end up having and seeing in your life. And I think for us to really answer this question, who do we think we are? There's a, a, a truer, more true and, and kind of real way to pursue that with two other questions. The first one, and this order matters, the first one is what is really true about God? Who knows his word is true? Who knows this, this, this thing called the Bible has been passed down for thousands of years and it is the most true thing. Do you know that actually um, there has been studies and studies to try to prove the Bible wrong and there are over 700 affirming documents for the Bible's reality? I didn't know that growing up. I wish I did. What is true about God? That he's a peacemaker, that he's a healer, that he is declaring peace and favor and, and power in your life through the spirit that raised for Christ from the dead. What is true about God? I want you to get intimate with that question. Secondly, I want you to ask, what is really true about you? What is really true about me? And this is one of those moments where you, you know, you could go home and journal and, and you, could, you could start to write all the stuff and then I want you to look at all the stuff and go, does this align with who God says he is? Or is it, does it disagree with it? Because I guarantee you, if it disagrees with God's word, it ain't true about you. It's not true. You see, I was in that moment of worship questioning all of the actions I had ever done, questioning who I was, questioning the roles I was supposed to take on or the roles I wasn't taking on. And if you're like me, you're in that moment and I'm thinking, okay, well, what else can I do to make me not feel this way? The question for me is in my hardest times is like, well, what can I do? How can I make this different? How can I make it better? And man, the love of God is so sweet. He, he just kind of, he kind of came on me after I finally said, fine, Lord, you can have this. <laughs> you can have this. I don't know what to do with this. You can have it. And he, and he, in the most sweet way, he just said, Luke, you are a son of the most high king. 
That's what I've created you for. Nothing else, nothing more, nothing less. That's the identity you get to walk in. Co-heirs with Christ, adopted into son or daughtership with the, the guy who created the universe. I don't want you to hear that just because that's what you've heard all your life. I want you to really get it in your heart and your mind that God chose you to be a son or a daughter, a co-heir with Jesus. He knit you in his, his, your mother's womb. He knew what you were going to be. He knew how your life was going to go. He got it. He's okay with that. And yet he chose you to be elevated to the kingdom status. To not do things just for him, but do things from his power. To walk in his power. Because you are a son and a daughter of the most high king. And I don't want you to ever forget that. So the next time the enemy comes knocking, tries to wreck your identity, you go, no, thank you. I'm a son, I'm a daughter, the most high king, and you can't stop that. And I can dance in the middle of an ice cream shop and no one's gonna care. That happened yesterday, my wife got embarrassed, so. <laughs> but I get to praise the Lord because he is in me. He is in you. And you get to thank him for the goodness that he has poured into your life, no matter the storm. So that's the identity I want you to walk in. Stop thinking that the situation that is so hard where there's no money, the house is gone, the kids are off doing things they shouldn't do. I just, this relationship is tough. That is not who you are. You're a son, you're a daughter of the most high king. And so we walk in peace and we walk in honor and we walk in humility not defensiveness. Because what is true about Jesus is also now so, so true about you and about me. That's the new reality. He died for your sins on a cross so that you could know you're a son and a daughter of the Most High King. Thank you, Jesus. And so that means that what I do doesn't determine who I am. I want you to hear that. What you do, what you've done, will never, ever, from this point forward, determine who you are. It is who you are in Jesus that determines then what you do. You see the difference? You get it now? We into it now? We've prepared something for you. Pastor Ross and the, the lead team prepared something for you and it's on your chair. It's a beautiful list on both sides of my identity in Christ. And it's a nice, beautiful side that you can fold, size that you can fold up and you put in your pocket and you can leave it there for the rest of your life. And you can pull out and say, I'm accepted when you don't feel accepted. You can say, I'm a child of God when you feel like nothing. And I want us to respond to this. I want us to respond. We're gonna worship and I want us to respond. And I actually, what I want you to do, hold on, is, is allow yourself, allow the Holy Spirit to hold you and to think about the old script. 
Think about all the old things that just, you've been called unworthy. You were called stupid at an early age. You were called unredeemed. You were told that you didn't have a purpose to fulfill. I want you to think about those things. And in vulnerability, as we worship, I want you to just offer them up to the Father and say, Lord, I don't know what to do with these, but would you just take them? Because what I do know is that I'm a child of God. And so let's worship from that place. We're gonna worship here. Feel free to rise to your feet as we worship, but I want us to just get into a place where we can allow the Spirit of God to move in our hearts. Allow this list to now become the true script of the story of who we are. And so Heavenly Father, as we just begin to worship you, Lord, I just declare your Holy Spirit over these hearts and minds. Lord, I say no thank you to all the old scripts, all the old beliefs, the lies of the enemy, the world that told us we should be a different way. And Lord, we receive in faith through grace who you say we are. So let us worship in that, in Jesus' name.